Amen. Well, I haven't preached long enough to have anything that I could call my traditional sermon. <laughs> but if there is one, this is it. And you're going to hear it every year on New Year's. So, <laughs> so if you want to memorize it and not show up, uh, up to you. <laughs> uh, my text this morning is one verse. And uh, it's a verse that, that certainly is applicable to this date and this day of the year, but it's most certainly applicable to our lives every day. And Mike, if you would uh, pull that up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, it's the start of a brand new year, folks. I told Brother Dennis this morning that my grandma always said that as we get older, time seems to go faster. Amen? Seems like yesterday we were turning the page into New Year's 2023. My, has the year gone by quickly. One of the things that many people do is make a New Year's resolution kind of promise to themselves that they will do things to change their behavior and improve their lives. However, some of these self-promises don't last very long. It's official. According to researchers, February 1st is the average day that we call it quits on our New Year's resolutions. A new poll of about 2,000 Americans found that it takes about 32 days for the average person to finally break their resolution, or their resolutions, plural. But 68% of people report they give up even earlier than that. In fact, one in seven Americans never actually believe they'll see their resolution through in the first place. The most 10 common New Year's resolutions exercise more, lose weight, get organized, learn a new skill or a hobby, live life to the fullest, save more money and spend less money, amen? <laughs> Quit smoking, spend more time with family and friends. For Christians, I think you can add a few things like Read the Bible more. Pray more. Start each day with devotions, etc. All of these things, friends, are valuable aspirations. They each have merit in our lives. And they each are disciplines that we seem to have difficulty sustaining in the long run. For that reason, and many, many others, we should look to the scriptures for some help with this new start thing. Becoming a believer is the ultimate fresh start. Becoming a believer. We remember the encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. In the iconic passage in John 3, Jesus describes the new birth. 
He says in verse 5, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Being born into Christ, into belief, being born into faith is what truly gives a person a new start in life. It's a life that is cleansed of sin, redeemed. It's a life that is empowered to live in true freedom. Thank God for the new life that we have in Christ. Jesus described his coming death and resurrection by proclaiming, listen, by proclaiming the new covenant in the cup of wine given at the Last Supper before his rest, the new covenant. All that had been before in God's plan of reconciliation became new in Jesus. Old things has passed. It was a new day. The new covenant in the blood of Christ. Say new covenant. Friends, the old year has passed. This is a new day. A new year. And admittedly, it's a logical opportunity for people to try to make an improvement in their lives. Certainly many, if not all of us in this room, have made some kind of a new beginning when a new year turns over. I'd like us to unpack this verse of our text this morning and look at what these words teach us about new beginnings. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter of admonition, instruction, and encouragement to the believers in Corinth. We find in Acts chapter 18 that Paul had gone to Corinth, a major Greek city of business and culture. The society of Corinth was riddled with paganism and immorality and idolatry. God led Paul to the house of Aquila and Priscilla, who were tent makers, and into the house of a man named Justus, where he stayed about a year and a half, persuading first the Jews and then the Gentiles that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. So Paul had a lot of himself invested in the young church at Corinth. He was very much the founding pastor, the founding teacher, the founding evangelist, of the church at Corinth. It appears that at the writing of his letters to the Corinthian believers, that the evils of the society had crept in to the life of the church. The purpose of the letter that we now know as 2 Corinthians was to correct the course of that ship. A new start was in order for the Corinthians. Verse 17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. First, 
we find the word therefore. We find the word therefore. Therefore is a word used here to point out that what has been previously stated brings us to a conclusion. What has been previously stated brings us to this point. In other words, we have to look back in order to look forward. There's some preaching right there. We have to look back. You have to look back in your life and see where you have been, and that helps you lay a foundation for you looking forward. But I want to submit to you this morning that the looking forward part is more important than the looking back part. I've known some folks who are kind of who are kind of stuck in the looking back piece. Huh? They're kind of stuck back there. I submit to you that 2024 means to us we're going to move forward. We're going to find the new things that God has for us. We're going to explore the new visions that God has for us. We're going to explore ways to reach people maybe that God hasn't ever given us before. We're going to look forward. That wasn't in my notes. Have to look, for, have to look back in order to look forward. Powerful statements have been made in this letter, to, to the second Corinthian letter, and earlier in chapter 5, specifically the truths concerning Christ's death, his life, his death, his resurrection. In essence, Paul has reinforced to the Corinthians the basic truths of the gospel. How many of you know we can't preach the gospel too much? We can't repeat it too many times. I can't, I can't give the basics of the gospel to you too many times. I'm sorry if you've heard it before. Paul has been reminding the Corinthian church of the truths that it was founded upon, that they had embraced as believers. We have to look back to be able to look forward. Now, sometimes we have to look back to the beginning of our spiritual journeys with Christ. Doesn't hurt for us to review. <laughs> it's like the NFL official who says, after further review. <laughs> How many of you have done the after further review thing? After further review, I look back on that relationship and that wasn't such a good thing. After further review, I should have, I should have engaged in this more than I did. After further review, there are some things in my life that should have been done differently. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. We have to be reminded of things. Like, like our first exposure to the truth of the gospel. We have to re be reminded of the grace of God. We, we, we have to be reminded that our sins are forgiven and that we pledged to repent from our sins. We have to be reminded of that from time to time. But we've got to look back to look forward. We occasionally have to look back to be reminded of the work that God has done in our lives. Has anybody done anything? Has, has anybody seen God do anything in your lives? 
It is valuable to bring into remembrance the faithfulness of God and the things he has brought us through. It is valuable for us to remember those things. Then the next therefore can come to place in our lives. Let's live a therefore kind of life. A therefore kind of life. Let's Let's enter into a therefore kind of 2024. Because God has been faithful, therefore. Because God has answered prayer, therefore. Because God has worked in my life, therefore. The therefore then can come into place a conclusion, a newness, the next chapter, all based on the earlier work that God has done in your life. You must look back to be able to look forward. Second, we find the phrase, if anyone is in Christ. If <laughs> introduces a first-class conditional statement, which is assumed to be true like the word since, if. And in context, we find the first clause is true, then the conclusion is true. If the first statement is true, then the conclusion is true. The, the word anyone here signifies any sinner. Say any sinner. Say that was me. Huh? Amen any sinner. No matter how awful, no matter how despicable, how depraved, how disgusting, and the list could go on and on, who repents and believes in Christ is placed in Christ, wherein he or she is made new. <laughs> I remember the day you may or may not remember the day. My life was never the same. In Christ means in the sphere of Christ or in the atmosphere of Christ, so to speak. In Christ includes the idea of oneness with Jesus. Union with Christ. Communion with our Lord. Being in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you in Christ today, my friend? Are you redeemed by His grace? Are you living in His unconditional love? Are you forgiven of your sin? Then you are in Christ. Because we are in Christ, that is, we are ever within the sphere of his presence, his influence, and his will. And we conform every area of our lives to the will of Christ when we are in Christ. Simply stated, because we are in him, we should live like we are in him.
Sometimes we forget that we are in Christ and we stray from his truth and his guidance. But friend, he is always there for us. He is always desiring to draw us back to his side. And he is always, listen, allowing us to start fresh. You say, Pastor, how many times can I start fresh? Many as it takes. As many as it takes. Third, we find the phrase, he is a new creation. A new creation. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Did you create yourself? <laughs> I thought about this phrase a lot this week. I really did. I really did. You would probably say certainly not, and that's a silly question. Did you create yourself? What do you think of the, when you think of the words new creation? Well, you could think of the Genesis creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You, you could think of the John 1 passage where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. We like new things, fresh from the manufacturer, untouched by other consumers. If you've ever bought a brand new car, it is quite the experience, at least so I am told. One of the things about a new car is the smell of the interior of a new car. Yesterday, I went around the auto parts stores trying to find a can of new car fragrance. It was my plan to walk around the room here spraying some new car fragrance aerosol spray around the room, but lucky for you, I, none, of them, none of them had a can. A couple of them said, well, we stock it, but we don't have any right now. So maybe people are starting their new year by squirting the interior of their car with some nice new car smell. <laughs> A new creation. Paul applies this imagery to the redeemed believer, indicating the stunning, radical, dramatic transformation that God designed to take place when a believer says, I do to Jesus. Something happens. When Christ invades a life, he performs a miraculous act of recreation. Analogous to the extreme overhaul of creation itself, that he will perform when he comes again. He brings us into being something new. When, when, when this new life is born in us by the work of the Holy Spirit, not by human works, we will be transformed from the inside out, changing our priorities, our relationships, and our actions. 
Only God can do this work for us. But once He has done it, we then participate in the inner working and the outworking of our faith. The living out of what God has done in making me new. He has done it. We participate in living out our faith. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, listen, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God has purpose for your life. You look back in order to look forward, and you look forward to the purpose, to the vision, to the tasks that God has ahead for you. And, 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 and the reason you can accomplish those is because he's making you new. I told my buddy Pastor Kevin the other day at the coffee shop, I could use some new energy. I could use some rest. Because my kids have worn me ragged this holiday season. <laughs> it's been great having them around, but did you notice these 20 and 30, something? they, they want to always be doing something? Anyway. Just as you did not create yourself, you cannot recreate yourself. That's commentary according to Pastor Scott right there. Just as you did not create yourself, you cannot recreate yourself. It must, must, must be a work of God in your life. Only God can perform this work in us. True new beginning kind of creation is the work of God in us, not of ourselves. Just as our salvation wasn't work that I could do to acquire, to achieve, to get to a place of my salvation, new life, new vision, new energy is also not something that I can come up with myself, even thinking really, really good thoughts. Some folks think if you think good enough positive thoughts that you will, that you will change and become recreated. I got news for you. The only one that can recreate you, listen, the only one that re can recreate you is the one who created you. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing, that he has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. One of the translations of this verse says he will perform it. The other night, I saw and heard some performers. Saw a concert. I didn't do anything but sit there and watch. The performers did all the work. And man, did they work. God wants to perform in you. He wants to 
work in you. He wants to create in you. He wants to recreate in you. And what will come out of that is Him on display. What will come out of that is Jesus to the world. What will come out of God recreating me inside is people looking at me, what happened to him? I think God can do stunning works in our life in such a way that those around us can see that God has done something. I love that verse. Let me read it one more time. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work will say will he's faithful huh he's faithful he's not done he's not done with you will complete it perform it till the day of jesus christ pastor dc mccasland writes in an our daily bread devotional these words a woman who restores valuable paintings says, many works of art that seem hopelessly damaged can be saved by an expert. Many old works of art that seem hopelessly damaged can be restored by an expert. Rebecca McLean, this expert art restorer, has brought color and life back into dulled oil paintings by carefully removing dirt and discolored varnish. But she has also seen the damage done when people attempt to clean their own soiled art with oven cleaner or abrasive powders. Her advice, listen, if you value the art, take it to an expert. If you value this beautiful old work of art, Take it to an expert in restoration. The same exists in the life soiled by sin. Our efforts at ridding ourselves of guilt and defilement, of wrong choices and sinful actions and attitudes, often end up in frustration and despair because we're trying to come up with the answers ourselves. In our attempts to get rid of these things, Sometimes we blame others. Or we simply give up thinking that we can't be any different. It takes the Holy Spirit's work in your life to recreate you. So it's not about activity and working. It's about surrendering. It's not about coming up with a procedure or a plan. It's about giving up and letting God do that work in your life. Fourth, we find the phrase, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul turns his head one more time back to the things of the past. The regenerated life is transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, listen, will remove the old things that are of no value and thrust you forward in newness of life. There's a word here that I love. 
and it's behold. Say behold. The great preacher and theologian Charles Spurgeon wrote this about the word behold. Behold is a word of wonder. It is intended to excite admiration. Wherever you see it hung out in Scripture, it is like an ancient billboard signifying that there are rich things within. Or like the hands which solid readers have observed in the margin of the older Puritanic books, drawing attention to something particularly worthy of observation. I would add, behold is like a divine highlighter. You got any highlighters on your desk? I like the yellow ones. My secretary at Buddy Rogers Music has a yellow highlighter for this and a green highlighter when it's an urgent task and a red highlighter for when Scott screwed up. <laughs> Behold! Behold is a highlighter. It's an emphasis word. Behold. Behold. It says in effect, listen up all you who would be wise in the ways of God. Dear friend, have you experienced behold in your life? Will you behold the glory of the risen Son in your life and experience this brand new life that is in Christ, a true new beginning? I think that exercises such as the dreaded New Year's resolution knock us off track when we should be focused in to Jesus as believers. The world's New Year's resolutions are done in each individual's determination, in each individual's strength and persistence. That's why all of them pretty much fail. If we want all things to become new, not just like the smell of a new car air freshener. You got, you got any of those that look like a pine tree? You know the ones I'm talking about, little air fresheners that look like a pine tree? You can hang those in your car. How long they last? A couple of weeks. Last a couple of weeks, and, and they're gone. And they're gone. You can't just spray something on life and experience recreation, and experience newness. He says that in Christ, we are newly creation, newly created, and that, and, and, and that Jesus will do the work of purging of the old things that are of no value. Pause for a moment. There are some old things that are of value. There are some things in your life that you've practiced, that you've learned, that God has taught you that still are of value, but I submit to you, friend, that there are probably some things in your life that you can set aside. <laughs> I don't remember her name. Some of you might. There is a woman who has made... Uh, kind of a living out of 
helping people organize their lives. And one of the things that she says is, if, if you don't love it or it's not of value, get rid of it. You ought to see my attic. I must love it a lot. Sometime I'm going to shoot a video of the Christmas decorations for the Snyder household coming down out of the attic. Because it may be one of the last things I take pictures of because one of those 10-ton boxes is going to bury me at the bottom of our attic steps. One of the, And by the way, we have those wonderful attic steps that fold down and they go like this as you're... I digress. There may be some things that you're holding on to and you know they're not good for you. You know they don't have value in your life. You know that you shouldn't love them. And God wants to purge them. Because when he purges them, he will put something new, say new, in its place. What a lesson for us to learn. He says that in Christ we are newly created. It appears that the effective plan is that we yield to his work in us. So how do we position ourselves to be recreated? How do we get ourselves in a place where we're available for God to do some work. Before I get into my little list here, I want to say the first start is my willingness. Amen. You may or may not be willing to be changed. You may be real happy just the way it is. But I'm here to tell you that God wants to continually do a work in your life. I beat that horse heavily early last year in my series on transformation because I think that the Christian is always a work in progress. Always a work in progress. That gives me hope. That gives me hope. It's going to get better. I have a few suggestions to help you position yourself to allow God to recreate you in 2024. I've said all of these things to you in the past year. Number one, minimize distractions. Minimize distractions. Find the things in your life which knock you off course, which distract you from where you should be. Second, center your focus. Center your focus. I'll never forget opening my eyes for the first time after cataract surgery. What was fuzzy, suddenly I can read the little hand on the clock back there right now. No glasses. Amazing. Amazing. Center your focus. Center your focus. I don't even have to tell you where your focus should be. Your focus should be on your God and on His Word. Your focus should be on what God has called you to do. Third, tune your hearing. Tune your hearing. 
How many of you have hearing aids? Handful of you. My dad has hearing aids, and he loses them every other day. I call home, and I talk to mom. Mom, what you doing? Looking for a hearing aid. They have a place where they're supposed to put them, and inevitably, they put them. In, it's, it's a little like a little teacup, on, and inevitably, and then, oh, I'll put it. Tune your hearing. Make sure that you are in a place hearing-wise that when God speaks, you hear. Notice I didn't say if God speaks. I said when God speaks. When God speaks into your life, your hearing needs to be tuned and not distracted over here to something else. These link together. Fourth, confirmed by the word. Confirmed by the word. I said to you in the transformation series, God will never, ever go against his word. He will never direct you against what he has said in his word. So if we know his word, and if we are focused on his word, and if we are constantly in his true and living word, our chances of getting knocked off track, much less. Much less. Five, be available to be used. Be available to be used. Available is an interesting word, isn't it? How about we have coffee one day this week? When would you be available? Available means there's nothing else occupying me at that time, but I'm willing to have coffee. I'm willing to take this step. I'm willing to make this move. Be available to what God has for you to do. Be available. Might I say that the opposite of going to meet Kevin McGuire at Square Mile Coffee on Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. is that I'm unavailable. And I want to submit to you that we make ourselves unavailable to God sometimes because of all this other stuff we've got going on. Sorry, sorry, I should hide behind my pulpit. Be available. Don't be unavailable. Be available. And six, establish priorities. I've sat under some really good motivational speakers through the years in various forms. And one of the things that comes up time after time after time is separating the urgent from the important. You never get to the important because you're so tied up in the urgent. Many of our lives are that way. We're putting out this fire and that fire. We're doing, we're doing this activity and that activity. We're, 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 we're plugging ourselves in here to take care of something, and we're taking care of this over here, and we're taking care of all these urgent things that pop up, never to get to the priority important things which should be routine in our lives. I think we're a mess that way. I am. I confess to you. There are a lot of demands on our lives. If I just think about my work, if I could put that telephone away, 
if I could turn that computer off, I would get a lot of important stuff done. You know what I mean? Urgent. Important. Make sure, make sure that you are available to the important. You are available to the established priorities. Now, you may say, I don't know what those should be, brother. Well, then I think you ought to sit down and establish some priorities. In fact, your homework for next week is to establish your priorities for 2024 in Jesus, your spiritual priorities. I'm not talking about vacuum in the living room more often. I'm talking about feeding my spirit and the things of God more often. Not sure I have time. I'm over here doing this. I'm over here doing that. Establish your priorities. And in establishing priorities, you're going to see the difference between the urgent and the important. One of the best talks I ever heard on that was from Dan Caffey, the CEO of Chick-fil-A restaurants. Dan Caffey has put in place in his organization priorities rather than just the urgent, making sure that they're doing the important, that they're doing the important. So how you doing? How was 23? You take a moment to think. Remember Paul said, look back. Let's, let's, let's look back. Let's see the things past. Some of us have been pretty rough. For others, it's been some days of new excitement, new adventures. For some of us, there have been some disappointments. For some of us, been some loss. But I hope and I trust that in 2023, you can look back to 2023 and you can see the faithfulness of God. You can see that God was with us in 2023. And I say that because our God is faithful from generation to generation to generation, He will be faithful in 2024. Amen. Pray with me.